Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Yes, this is what they like to term an emergency podcast. I just think it's more of an update because of the things that have transpired here in the last few days, especially today. Finally, Cyrus, finally, I'm along with Cyrus. That's my, my co-host, the surf man himself. And here's, I have always said, I wish the KD would tell us why he left. He never really told us why he left. And we have a soundbite that we can play for you if you haven't heard this. And let's play that, Cyrus, right away and get into this. Last question on this subject, just to be clear, because I didn't, I don't recall the answer to this question. Did that play a role in you leaving Golden State? A little bit, yeah, for sure. Do you want to expand, expand on that at all? Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, your teammate talked to you that way. You think about it a bit, but you know, we talked. Like I said, we talked about it, but definitely, for sure, I'm not gonna lie about it. Katie, why do you ultimately uh, decide to leave? I just felt like I needed a switch. I felt like a lot of stuff in Golden State had reared his head, and I felt like uh, we, that was just going to be the end no matter what, especially for that group. Sean Livingston was retiring. Andre Iguodala was getting older. Our contracts were going to stifle the team and put us in the hole to get other players. So I was just like, you know, it was time for all of us to kind of separate. All right, there you go. Well, man, okay. So we got a little bit of an answer. But not a definitive answer, because I think the question that needed to be asked that wasn't asked is other things. What, what other things? I mean, what? he said it was a little bit, right? He said a little bit about the Draymond situation, yeah. right? So it's a little bit about Draymond. But the other thing, what were the other things? Well, things weren't fitting together. I mean, where, how is it? First of all, how many other players do you really need if everybody stays together with their main guys? Exa- exactly. I mean, seriously. I mean, I have nothing. KD could do whatever he wants. I, I love KD. I think he's one of the greatest players. Amazing. I, call, you know, I told you an anomaly, a guy that plays the position like nobody's ever played it before. Uh, Hall of Famer for sure. First ballot. Could do whatever he wants to do. So sorry that he got hurt. Uh, cost the championship for the Warriors without question about it, along with Clay going out. But this is not the definitive answer. But it does shed some light on it that he was not happy with what happened with Draymond Green. And obviously, they didn't get that resolved, Cyrus. Yeah, yeah obviously. I, I, you know, and he, he did add on to it, saying that he felt like his, the things that were taking a turn there. I mean, Andre Iguodala leaving, Sean Livingston retiring. Yeah, I, but, I know, but so what, Sean? I think he just said, Andre Iguodala is getting older, okay? And, <laughs> but how, how are the they bus. getting yeah. – the, the team is willing to spend the money. They're willing to pay the money. If he's healthy, if, if Draymond is there and healthy, if Clay is there and healthy, and if Steph is there and healthy, what other players do you really need that much? you got to get some good bench guys, and they've been able to do that. And there's a ton of guys. Trust me on this one. There would be a ton of guys who would be willing to go and play on that team who would be ultimate team players to have a chance – to be on one of the greatest teams ever and get a championship ring and still make some good money. Not like they're going to get paid minimum. Yeah. I, you know, and, 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 and Sean Livingston would not have retired. I, I think if Kevin Durant stays, look, in my humble opinion, Rick, you're right in the sense that Kevin Durant is one of the greatest talents this game has ever seen. One of the greatest ever, an incredible player, scorer, especially, but very weak minded. 
Like I do not have respect for him as an, as an individual when it comes to strength of mind. I, I feel like he folds easily. I feel like he is very self-centered. He has this player empowerment mentality, except it's more not empowerment, but more entitlement. I don't know. That's, that's my gauge on it. I just, I value loyalty. He clearly did not show that in Oklahoma city. He did not show that here in the Bay area. Um, and now, you know, he's throwing people under the bus and saying to the making up excuses for why he left the Warriors. I don't like it. I don't know about you. I don't like it. Well, it's not excuses. He's entitled to do whatever he likes to do or want to do. And I wish yeah. him all the best. I hope he gets well and is able to come back and play at the level he played. I enjoy watching him play. I root against him, obviously, because of, of the Warriors. But uh, I would have to say this, that under the circumstances, his team right now that he's going to play on uh, next season, if everybody's healthy, is going to be a much more talented basketball team than the Golden State Warriors next season. You think so? Like, you think a, a, that team next year will be better than the Warriors? Really? You don't? I, I don't. I, in my opinion... Seriously? I, in my opinion, I think him and, and Kyrie Irving together is going to be a complete disaster. I've never seen a team successful without an alpha male leading the way. Neither of those two are alpha males. Both those well, that's a very good point. I really truly is, Cyrus. That's an excellent point because Kyrie wanted to go to Boston. He could be the guy. Right. He wasn't the guy. He didn't lead them. Uh, I, I think he's a very intelligent young man. I've heard him speak, and, and he expresses himself exceptionally well. I had a great soundbite I heard from him just yesterday talking about he is who he is. Oh, Kyrie? And, yeah. It except, was for the great... flat, except for the flat earth stuff, right? I mean, with the exception of that. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, but I'm just saying that he, he kind of knows who he is, what he yeah. wants to do. But I, I did lose some respect for him when he left Cleveland. I mean, he had a chance mm -hmm. to stay with, you know, won a championship and play with one of the greatest players of all time uh, and, and screwed things up there in Boston. And now he's at another team and he's going to have another great player. Now, the thing is, he's not going to have a player. This may work, actually. He has the chance of more of being the alpha male, as you speak, as opposed to, as opposed to KD, I would think. Yeah, he does. Without that question. Yeah. But, so um, that's going to be a big factor. And, but the thing that for KD is, I mean, he's leaving and going to an unknown. He doesn't know how it's going to work out there. He really doesn't know how cohesive things are going to be, how the other players are going to blend together. But if he had stayed there and everybody stayed healthy, if just with those four guys alone, their chances of winning championships – or far greater than any, you know, than if he had gone, you know, going to Brooklyn or a whole bunch of other teams in the NBA. There's no question about it. And to me, it should all be about winning championships. Yes, Rick. And I think that's where you and I are so on the same page that sports is competition. And in competition, the goal is to win. And for some reason, you have a lot of athletes in the NBA who, for some reason, seem to have more of a focus on their individual accomplishments and their individual happiness, putting themselves over the team. And I guess that's my ire towards Kevin Durant is based on that. I don't think he puts team first. He puts him first. And, and, and again, if championships were the goal here, he would stay, right? He would stay. You would, I, you would think so. I mean, this, as I've talked about before, and I want to emphasize again so it doesn't get back to KD and I'm ripping him because I am not. He's entitled. And I know how people That's do me. things. It's me ripping, I'm not yeah. ripping KD. I, I, me. I, love, I love his game. I, I love the way he played. He's a very, I think what it is, is he's a very sensitive individual. Yes, yes. You're, and I, I think I, that's where it plays in. That it Here's the thing. Let, let me bring up, I think, a very valid point about this. If it was the case that you got so upset, you know, that you had a teammate who said something to you, that you would impact that and you would want to leave that team and leave a chance to be on a championship team because the guy talked nasty to you or said something to you you didn't like, I think that's 
that's something he needs to analyze and look at because it's a bit of a shortcoming on his side. And I will say that if I'm going to say something of a negative nature, I think that is it. Because if that were the case, I would have had a lot of players that I play with who would have left the team because right. I would say some things to guys. But the thing is, it's said in the context of competition. It's not about you personally. It's about what's happening on the court, what's taking place in your, sh- in your quest to try to win championships. And when you walk off the court, you got to forget all of that. Yep. You can't yep. take stuff personal. And he yeah. obviously took that personal and said it was a factor in him leaving that he didn't want to deal with, with Draymond. That's crazy. Which is unfortunate because I would love to play with Draymond. Oh, He'd probably right? get into some things, but I would love to play with Draymond Green. <laughs> What's your relationship with him now? Like, do you guys talk? No, I know him. I don't really know him super personal and all, but I mean, I've spoken with him and congratulated him on his play and what have you. But I would love him as a teammate. Mm. Just the same way I would have loved playing with Dennis Rodman. Me too. A guy who's out there who busts his hump, who really does care about winning. Yes, absolutely. How do you not want to play with a guy like that? Who cares if he's a jerk every once in a while? I mean, so what? Exactly. Yeah, I I mean, it's, it just doesn't make any sense for that. And, and again, I never did hear, what are the other things? We never heard what the other things were. He threw out a couple of things that I think were not really important. Like the contracts, right? He well, the contracts, contracts. I mean, it's not going to tie him up. They're, they spend so exactly. much money. They have the money. The team's going to spend money. And as I pointed out just a few minutes ago, Players will go to play with that team to have a chance to be on a championship team and probably play for less money than they could have gotten. Now, you're not going to get guys who are going to be able to make, you know, $15 million, you know, those kinds of players, but you're going to get a lot of really good players. And trust me, there are a lot of really good players out there who don't get the recognition that for some reason they're overlooked and they don't, and they aren't appreciated for what they bring to the table. That, that happens a lot. And there are a lot of guys sitting on benches right now that on the right team would be great contributors, especially for a team like the Warriors. There are players out there who aren't even under contract right now that the Warriors, if they had a full squad, including Durant, would be the favorites to win the championship. Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert. Uh, I'm missing some other names. These- yeah, and there's guys like that who would be willing to go and play because they, they can't get the minimum because they, they're veteran players and that's in their collective bargaining agreement. You have a right. certain number of dollars you have to be paid. But they would probably do that. Why? For the reason that we just talked about that's so important. They want to be a champion. Yep. It's all about the ring. And that's, it's crazy. It should be. It should should be all about the ring. It should be. And it's not to Durant. It's clearly not. It's Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But at least we got a little bit of an answer. And I was curious if the Durant, if the Draymond thing actually did have some influence on him. And he, to his credit, admitted that it did and was truthful about it for the first time in a long, I mean, it's a long time since this all happened. It's been a year, uh, a year. Yeah, it's, and it's a little it's a little bit. I mean, we got a little bit. We didn't get all of it. I like to know what yeah. all those other things were that we weren't, you know, we weren't getting to get together. I mean, and there was one thing that came out that he didn't feel like he was a really a part of the team that he was like an outsider. I mean, come on. An get outsider in what in what way? Get I mean, these yourself. guys yeah. Clay Thompson the two I mean, not Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, a two-time MVP guy was willing to take a back seat to him. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, what does that say? I mean, what more is the fan base supposed to do? I mean, I mean, all they did was show him love. I, you know, it's, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. And 
someday I'll, I might forgive him. But right now, as a as a diehard Warriors fan, I I still well, well right now. If you were out, if you were a drinker, you're going to become an alcoholic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. I mean, no, you're right. I, as I said, you said you said there might there might be some hope. There's this goal that you know at the end. I said here's the deal. I, I said it yesterday to you, right, in our uh-huh. conversations between one our our texts. And I think I have to use it now since we're doing this emergency uh, podcast. Is that, you know, normally you say there's a pot of gold, you know, waiting down there at the end of a rainbow. There is no rainbow right now for the Warriors. Okay. There is a huge, huge, extremely dark cloud that is hanging over this team. And there's no pot of gold at the end of a rainbow here. There is the hope that perhaps if you get really lucky, and make some incredible decisions personnel-wise or have some of these younger players really develop into the kind of players that you hope that you had signed to contracts right. become the silver lining in that dark cloud. Well, Rick, if you don't mind, I'd like to be the, the beacon of light, perhaps. Uh, usually, I, 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 in this case, I found some optimism with the Steph Curry injury. So Steph Curry's hand is broken. Who knows how long he's going to be out? The good news is... It was his left hand, non-shooting hand. Thank you. I know I looked at the first thing I looked at, say, which hand is it? Yes. <laughs> I said, oh, thank think, goodness. And if you think if you're going to break a bone in your body, wouldn't that be probably the most ideal place, your non-shooting hand? Right? Yeah, and here's the thing, because you could also, I mean, not that he's crazy about wanting to come back to the situation that exists, but you also could do a lot of workouts, lower body stuff, and things that you couldn't do if you had yes. injured a, a leg or you know, a knee, an ankle, something of that nature. We are on the same page, sir. And then on top of that, all right, and this is where my, my, my optimism continues, right, and, and, uh, and grows, is that I'd, I, if it was up to me, Steph Curry and Draymond Green just do not play this year. That is obviously unrealistic and never going to happen. But Steph Curry's out now, and these are players who for five straight years went to the NBA Finals. That's essentially like a sixth season they have played within the last five years. They're going to get some rest, or at least Steph's going to get some rest. Clay Thompson is going to get some rest. Dray, I don't know what their plan is for Draymond, but you have a $17 million trade exception for next year. That's a lot of money to acquire someone, right? What do you do with D'Angelo Russell? Would you trade him? I know it's early, but would you trade him? I mean, it, that's a possibility, right? It, I would think that, yeah, because if Clay's going to come back and you now have your two great guards, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to have someone at that, that level. And you could try to get someone to fill in at the other positions without question. And especially a team that might need somebody like him to make a playoff run. So he becomes a valuable commodity for them, I think, at that particular time before the trade deadline. Uh, yes, I would agree totally with that. So, but the decisions have to be made. Well, not even decisions made yet. Mm-hmm. You have to see how this is going to play out and the way that these other players, these young players are going to perform now. Yeah. And be able to evaluate their performance do they have what it takes to become the type of player that you know you want to have on your roster to play Warriors brand of basketball? Because you can, Warriors brand of basketball is what like people like to say when I talk is all the time, old school. That's old school basketball with one thing, one change, with the three-point shot as a very important weapon in their arsenal. Yeah. Which didn't exist back in the old school days because if you shot from there, you probably would be on the bench. <laughs> Is that yeah? I was I always think about that. I'm like, well, like, what, why did it take so long for basketball to evolve where people start throwing those up? And and is your answer that coaches just frowned on it because of that lower shot percentage? Is that why? Well, first of all, most of the players weren't that proficient at it. I yeah. mean, here's my breakoff: is that th- if you're not a 30 percent shooter from three point range, 
you have no business ever taking a shot unless the ball winds up in your hands with two seconds on the shot clock. Seriously. Because 30% equates out to a much higher, to a two-point percentage of up in the 40s, which is acceptable. Mm-hmm. 33% is shooting 50% from twos. So a 33% shooter is a 50% two shooter. You can live with that. That's a, that's good. That's a really good percentage. Very few players shoot 50% from the field. Very few. Yeah. Yeah. Very few. And so, and this is why I get, you get so impressed when you start seeing these guys, you know, like the Kyle Corver and stuff was up, you know, they're 50. Um, heck I, I'll throw some kudos out to my sons, you know, Brent and John who shot at 40% or more. I think Brent actually led the league in three point shooting one year. I mean, up you get up in the forties, that's serious shooting. Yeah, it is. Because if you're shooting up in the 40s, that's equivalent to shooting like 60-something percent from twos. And any coach, there's not a coach in the world that wouldn't want to have a player who's capable of doing that. And that's what you want to try to get. You want to get the players who can shoot the ball exceptionally well, and the three-point shot has changed the game dramatically. But in the early years, what would happen, it was abused. <laughs> no, seriously, too many guys were taking three-point shots who weren't good enough shooters to be taking them. I always think of Antoine Walker as a prime example of that, or Stephon Marbury, right? Those guys would just heave and hook three. Well, just look at some of the statistics. <laughs> if you, if we were, we might do an analysis afterwards sometime and come back with it. Okay, is to look at guys, older guys, and stuff, and see what their career three-point shooting percentage was. Yeah, we could do that. If oh. you look at that, if you look at that, it'll give you a true indication of whether or not that guy understood the game the proper way. Because if he was allowed to take that many shots from three-point range, and he's the 28 29% shooter, and you know, even at 30, that's just, I say, that's the bare minimum. But if a guy's in the 20s and he's taking tons of shots, that's crazy. A coach has to be crazy <laughs> to let a guy do that. Um, going back to the Warriors real quick, would you trade – this is, this, is, this is just me throwing it out there. And the reason why I mentioned this trade is because during the offseason, it was speculated that the Timberwolves really wanted D'Angelo Russell. But because of contract, the contract and big money, the Warriors got him through the sign of trade. Would you trade D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins? I haven't seen Wiggins enough to know, although it seems as though he's kind of found himself early in the season here. Yeah. But I know prior to what he's done early in the season, he, he was a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it agreed. takes young. It, and these are young guys, as I told. Most players coming out early are not ready to play at the high level in the NBA and be consistent players. First of all, they're immature. Because whether you like it or not, <laughs> and I used to hate it when people say, hey, "You're not immature." As you get older, you understand and realize that in your early twenties, and even through your twenties, you really weren't that mature. That's true. You're you right. Have, you may have thought you were. But you really weren't. Not even close. No, and absolutely. So, and so it takes time. And I, and I also believe that it takes more time for some time for bigs to make the adjustment than it does a point guard. Because the mm. point guard has the ball in his hands all the time. So he's used to having it and doing the things he needs to do. And then it's just a matter of how to best utilize the skills and talents you have. And I think what happens there is that's where a coach comes in. And, and I'll bring up somebody as a, as a point of reference here. Remember the Sacramento Kings? Remember Jason Williams? Of White course. chocolate? Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. So, okay, Jason Williams was a very talented guy. I, I, I know Jason happened to like him. He's a fisherman, so we get along. <laughs> anyway, okay. so right. Jay, yeah. but Jason could do some great things, but I don't think Jason Williams was ever utilized effectively and properly. He made a lot of decisions and tried to do things that he shouldn't have been doing. This is the kind of guy that after games, I think you would sit down with him, especially nowadays they get video of the games right away and you could go on a flight to the next city and stuff and you could actually have it readily available to you. Mm -hmm. 
to be able to do some analytical work with it. And I, I would sit down with him every time afterwards and point out to him the things he was doing correctly, the things he was doing incorrectly, what he needed to do to take his game to another level and play at a high consistent level and be able to be as valuable to the team as possible. He needed to be spoon fed, have his hand held. But he was like, he was, no, he was like a wild pony. And I remember this, I equated when I was a kid, I got to ride some wild ponies up in the mountains in New Jersey. And it was unbelievable. They, all they want to do is run. You get wow. on them and it was great. They just would want to go gallop and run. You well, would ride wild ponies. Well, they were kind of wild off the range and they bring okay. them in and stuff. And so they were young, they were broken, but they were still had a little wild streak in them. I mean, they wanted to run all the time. It okay. wasn't like they were going to go and canter and walk and trot. They just <laughs> ran, all right. which was great. Cause that's what I love to do. I mean, the other stuff is not easy to do. I'm, you know, galloping is much more you know, either walking or galloping in between stuff is tough on your body. Okay. So he was a wild pony. And he was allowed to run loose, which is crazy. You have to be able to go ahead and put that bit in his mouth. <laughs> Seriously, you got to be able to put the bit in his mouth, get those reins and control him. Let right. him run when it's time to run and pull him back when you needed to pull him back. And it was kind of like breaking in a wild pony. And he wasn't broken in properly. And I think it really hurt his game. That's a great flashback, Jason Williams. He was just in the news the other day. That somebody was actually, uh, he was, they were showing him his old clips, and he couldn't believe the clips. I don't think he ever watched himself. Well, I mean, some he, of the stuff that he did was just incredible. I mean, he amazing. was you know, like a Pistol Peak kind of guy and just uh, could do some amazing things. And also, a guy like him and a guy like Peter, oh, those guys couldn't play defense. You know what? They had great hands doing it. Mm -hmm. It gets down again, not the individual defense. It's the team, team defense. Yeah. We, you know, I'm gonna, I'll probably beat that to death. People will be sick of hearing okay. it on this it's podcast. Okay. But okay. It, it has to be brought up because it has to be a critical element of your success as a team. It just has to be. But Jason is one of those guys that, that fell into that kind of category that needs, okay. to be, needs to be brought along properly. And that's where, that's where coaching really comes in. And, you know, one of the things that I heard so much is, from so many people, oh, yeah, no, it's really hard. The schedule's so tough and everything. You know, you really don't have a time to do a lot of teaching. And I said, well, then you better damn well find the time to make, do some teaching because these young kids coming out, they don't have a good foundation, a lot of them. They don't understand the way the game is meant to be played and have the fundamental principles and concepts of how to play the game and the proper things to do on defense and offense. You have to teach those things to them. They're incredibly gifted, so incredibly gifted. It's, I mean, I get jealous sometimes watching some of the things these guys did. I used to fantasize about doing some of the stuff that they do, the athleticism that they have. But if you don't know how to use it properly, it's a waste. Now, there are guys in the NBA right now who are there on incredible athleticism who will never, ever be as good as they should be because they don't know how to use that amazing God-given talent that they received at birth in the proper fashion to maximize it. Hmm. And it kills me to watch that because I love greatness in anything, Agreed. any I'm, walk I'm of you. life. I'm with you. I love greatness. I admire anybody who's great at whatever it is they do. I don't care whatever it is, whether it's music, whether it's acting, whether it's in you know, writing, whatever it may be. You just, I, I personally love greatness. I agree. It's the essence And I hate of life. to see talent yeah. wasted. And I had a kid, I had a kid in the minor leagues. And I'm not even going to bring his name up, but he was Michael Jordan-esque. He was about Michael's size height-wise, but okay. he was bigger and more physical and stronger than Michael could jump, could do things. One of the nicest young men I've ever met in my life. He was married with kids. He was 25 or six years old. He, Clifford Ray was my assistant coach. And Clifford and I both said, oh my God. Gosh, I said, Clifford, what do you think we could have done with this kid if we got him at an early age? He would have been 
a superstar NBA player. No doubt. He wanted to come early to practice, stay after practice, but he didn't have the fundamentals of the game, and I couldn't even play him over some other guys who knew how to play better than he did. It was tragic. It broke my heart. Uh, so going back to what we were talking about originally, uh, Andrew Wiggins, do you think he's, he's, I don't know. As I say, I haven't watched him enough. I have to keep an eye on him and see what the situation is, but they could use somebody. They need to get a little bigger person. They don't need guards. They have so many guards and guys that are six foot four or five, six and everything. They need somebody that can do some stuff. That's got some height. I mean, you're giving up a set. They just gave up a seven footer who does things that nobody else has ever done. KD. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they've got to find a way to, to, to get some, some other players who, who have some, uh, have some height. I yeah. think some size. Yeah. Wiggins is six, seven. He's only 24 years old. Um, and then, and then and yeah, but in, no- in essence, he's, he's still another two guard. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But, but, but he's, he's much bigger than D'Angelo, right? I mean, at least length wise, yeah. he gives you, yeah, I mean, sure though. he is, but I'm just saying, I mean, he could obviously do the small ball lineup. I mean, he would fit at the three without any problems with right. play at the two and Steph at the one that, that certainly could work. It would be, I think probably a more, uh, more explosive, a more, um, more productive threesome. Yeah. Uh, than, than the other guys because just because of the size. Yeah. And that, that's, and the size is what I was looking at with Wiggins. I just, I just, the Timberwolves seem like that ideal team you make that trade for, with for uh, D'Angelo Russell. And then, and the Warriors, again, the season's a wash now. And it's a great opportunity for us to evaluate this team and maybe provide some guidance and, and call out potential mistakes that the organization is doing. But they also are going to have a lottery pick, Rick. I mean, that's another huge bright side to everything that's going down now. You're going to have a lottery draft pick next year, and they've reduced the um, the incentive for teams to tank. It's harder now to get the number one pick if you have the worst record. So who knows what could happen here? I mean, I'm you know, well. It's all going to be about. I've I've said this, <laughs> and I've been saying it forever. People will listen to me. Any team sport, the three most critical elements for success: who do you draft? Who do you get in free agency? Who do you trade for? It's all about the players. And then you hope that you get a coach that doesn't screw it up. If you make good choices, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) that's, 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 that is that that's the blueprint for success on, in a team sport without question. I agree. And because you can't, the old proverb, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of, you know, what, <laughs> chicken, yeah. You know, unfortunately, the Warriors don't have that issue. Steve Kerr's not going anywhere, so at least they got the coach. Um, Rick, my my Twitter handle is at DocSurfRocho. You're at Rick Twenty Four Barry for pretty much everything social media, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm there, but I'm I'm a little disheartened about this. We're going to probably do a lot more talking about stuff oh, going yeah. around in the NBA because we're just going to we're going to basically be observers. Uh, put this team under a microscope and evaluate what we're seeing and try to hopefully find that silver lining in that very, very huge dark <laughs> cloud that is hanging over the head of this team. Now, now I'm going to put this challenge out. This is a, not only a test for the team, uh-huh. you know, the general manager, Bob, and, 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 the, and the, the players. This is a test for the fans. The one thing about this, these fans that I've always admired and respected so much was even during the times when this team went 13 consecutive years without making the playoffs, oh. they supported this team. They were there. They did. It's been an incredible run. They finally, for all of that perseverance and all of that loyalty that they had to this organization, this franchise, they got their payback. They got the five greatest years ever in the history of the sport by a team. It's cr- that is now, crazy. now the rug has been pulled out from underneath them. So are we going to, as fans, stick by them 
during this difficult time and go to church if you are that type of a person, if you like candles <laughs> at church, if you like to pray, whatever it is, whatever your religion happens to be, whoever you want to pray to, or you do that type of thing, say a prayer that it doesn't take 13 more years to get oh, back into the playoffs. <laughs> I'm not worried about that, Rick. We got Joe Lacob now. In my opinion, feces, whatever you want to call that, rolls from the top, and the Warriors are okay there, I hope. I really hope. Well, they're willing to spend the money to do what they need to do. Uh, but again, it's going to come down to the choices yeah. that they make. Yeah. The choices. Who do you like you said, if they get a lottery pick, we'll keep an eye on what's happening in the college world of doing stuff. Who are you going to take? We know in the past that some of the choices that the Warriors made when they had lottery picks were not very good. Yeah, most were not very good. <laughs> All right, Rick. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Hey, it's great. So uh, we've got our emergency out of the way. Uh, hey, if something else pops up and doing it, we'll pop back in again. But we look forward to you tuning in the next time. Um, you know, blessings to to all of you and your families and uh, good health. That's the most important thing in life. Agreed. And family and friends. God bless everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.